Chapter 14 of The Mermaid's Message and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 14 Polly's Clock by Mary C. Soule. This clock was a real friend to little Polly, and probably you suppose it was in her home. But no, it was not one of those little mantel clocks that tick so very fast that they seem to say, not tick-tick, but quick-quick, or time flies, time is passing. Neither was it a tall, old-fashioned clock, much taller than Polly herself, with a round, rosy face and large figures which tell the time. Neither was it a clock with a cuckoo coming out every hour. This friend of Polly's was on the steeple of a town hall near her house, and the hands were so large and the figures so clear that one could see the time even if he were off in the hills which surrounded the town. And at night an electric light burned behind the clock face and made the figures as plain as in the daytime. Polly's friend saw much that was going on in the world, for the town hall stood opposite the church and behind the church was a large schoolhouse. When the hands pointed to twelve o'clock, such a troop of noisy children as passed up the street. And on Sunday, when the church bell began to toll, the clock looked down on old and young, going to the service. Many in the morning on weekdays came men with dinner pails going to their work, and sometimes at noon boys and girls carried these pails to their fathers, in the shops, that they might have a warm dinner. In winter the sleighs went flying by right under the clock, and the bells tinkled merrily as if to say, We can make music too, old clock, even if we can't make it every hour. In the summer the carriages passed under the clock, the horses with their fly nets on, while the sun poured down on the people's heads. The clock to Polly seemed to say, Never mind, black beauties. When my hands point straight down at you, at half-past six, the air will be cooler. The bank was next to the town hall, and so the clock saw money going in and out, although, of course, it couldn't see the bank bills and the silver dollars that the people put in their pockets. Every Thursday morning a team came from one of the factories and carried away a big bag of money, which was to be paid to the workmen. Polly used to watch all these things that the clock saw, and she would look up to see what it was thinking about, for to Polly, with her childish imagination, the clock seemed a real person, and its round glass face was her friend's face. If you have never seen an illuminated clock, you would have been surprised indeed to look from the window in the evening and see the dark street, the stars up above, and between them this round face hung in mid-air. Now Polly, as I told you, had much imagination. Perhaps she had a little more than most children. She saw many things in her mind, and the longer she watched the clock, the more friendly it grew to her. If she so far forgot herself as to make up a face when the weather was stormy, and she could not go out to play, she would look up at the clock, and his calm face seemed to say, For shame, Polly, you making up a face at this nice rain, which is going to make your flower seeds grow and your papa's lettuce come up. For shame to put on a pouting face because you can't go out. What do you think of me? I can never go down in the street to look carefully at the pigeons picking up their crumbs. I always have to look at them from way up here, and you can do as much as that today by looking out of your window. Why, you can stand at your window and see enough to make any girl happy. Suppose that I should put on a wry face because I am out in the rain, with the drops splashing against my face. What would you think? And what would the children think, as they hurried along to school? This was a long speech for the clock to make, and Polly was glad that it stopped to strike the hour, for she felt a little ashamed of herself. 
and by the time the clock had finished striking, her face had cleared. One day, little Polly could not see her old friend as she looked out of the window. Nothing had happened to the clock, I can assure you. The trouble was with Polly herself. Her eyes were full of tears, and yet if you had known what was the matter, you could not have felt so very, very sorry for her. For though Polly was usually a brave girl, and seldom lost her temper, today she was crying more for temper than for sorrow. No, the old clock looked as kind and amiable as ever, and yet Polly did not see her friend. If she had, I'm sure it would have brought back her better self at once. Polly only cried and cried, and complained about her seatmate at school, who had done something which made Polly angry. It was only a slight thing, but Polly let it fret her, and the more she thought about it, the worse she felt. But her friend, the clock, was to be the good angel to bring her to herself. While Polly had been crying, it had been growing dark, and, as she wiped her eyes and happened to look toward the window, the face of the clock became bright from the electric light behind it, and Polly clapped her hands with delight. Why, you dear old friend, what am I thinking of, crying in this way and you seeing me? I am ashamed indeed. And Polly wiped her face and tried to smile. And I know what you are going to say to me, old clock, she added. You want me to go and make up with my seatmate, and I mean to, at once. And as if to say yes, the clock struck one for the half hour. I knew you would say yes, said Polly, and you are a friend worth having, for your face always seems to show me the brightest side of everything. End of chapter 14 Recorded by Ruth Legrano, 